0: The first section of Psalms has been called the Genesis Psalms. They help us to realize that every good thing begins with God. The Psalms provide a roadmap for the journey ahead. In them we learn to bring every emotion and experience of life into the presence of God. Join Scott Pauley now as we study God's Word together.
1: I absolutely love the preaching of God's Word. I love to preach. I love to listen to preaching. Uh, preaching, it stirs the heart. It brings you to truth, and it emphasizes certain things. And David, who is known as a psalmist, was quite a preacher. In fact, in Psalm 40, in verse 9, he says, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy lovingkindness and thy truth from the great congregation. That's quite a statement. And by the way, for every person who preaches or teaches the Bible, that's a challenge. Don't hold back God's truth. They need the whole counsel of God. Give them God's Word. He uses that little phrase, the great congregation. Of course, it's a reference to Israel. But I don't think the emphasis here is that they were great in number, though they were, uh, but the greatness here is the greatness of their need. And the greatness of any congregation is not its size, but the great spiritual needs that are present there. So David said, I've, I've given them the truth. I have preached. But then this is interesting to me. As soon as he says that in verse 9 and verse 10, uh, there's a shift in this psalm. In fact, the first 10 verses are really such a progression, almost an ascension, if you will, up, up, up. Uh, The first six verses, what God has done, verses 7 through 10, what God's allowed us to do. I mean, it's like God carries you to the mountains, to the mountaintop. And then suddenly, when you get to verse 11, down through verse number 17, it's more of a picture of a battle of desperation and need. It's like, okay, we've been on the mountain with God. We've heard the message. Praise God for it. Now we're descending into the valley of life. And isn't that so much like the way we live? It's after the preaching is done that the great needs come. It's after the crowds disperse and the meetings of memory that the test arises. It's after the preacher's voice is silent that the truth has to live. It's after the emotion has subsided that the will has to be exercised. What are you going to do after the preaching is done? Psalm 40 is such a practical psalm. There are many ways to approach it. You could... You could come to the psalm like a magnifying glass on David's life because he's the writer of it and see many of the experiences of David and his own danger and difficulty. Uh, You could come to Psalm 40 like a window on Christ. In fact, in verses 6 through 9, there's a very definite messianic reference that is connected to Hebrews 10 uh, that is all about the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, His obedience to the will of the Father. But I want to challenge you to come to Psalm 40 today not as a magnifying glass on David, not as a window on Christ alone, but as a mirror, a mirror on yourself. Isn't that what the Word of God is supposed to be? We look into the mirror of God's Word and it shows us. us. It shows us the great need of our life. It shows us that after the preaching is done, after the church service is over, after the emotion has subsided, that's when you've got to live the Christian life. That's when you have to apply what it is you've learned. And so... In verses 11 through 17 of Psalm 40, this, these are the things we're to do after the preaching is done. First of all, in verse 11, after the preaching's done, uh, we need God to preserve us. Verse 11 says, Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. So, what should we do? We should meditate on the fact that God alone can keep us that God alone can preserve us, His loving kindness, His truth. You know, for me personally, I have discovered that many times the greatest battles are fought after the greatest victories. Let me repeat that. The great battles oftentimes are after the great victories in life. You have a great victory, a great blessing, and then all of a sudden in private where nobody knows and nobody else goes, you're fighting a battle for your life. That's when you constantly have to depend on the mercy of God And you constantly have to go back to His loving kindness and His truth, the things that do not change. And so number one, after the preaching's done, I need God to preserve me. Number two, after the preaching's done, I need to win some personal victories. Listen to verse 12 and verse 13. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I'm not able to look up. They're more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord to deliver me. O oh Lord, make haste to help me." You see, when the congregation's gone, that's when you're alone with God, with yourself, and with your own sin. And I'll tell you, after great spiritual encounters with God, oftentimes you have to go back to the reality that you still have old wicked flesh. And you have to do battle with your own sinful heart. Sin wants to put its tentacles around you and, and beat you down. And it it tends to grow. That's what he's describing here in these verses. And that's when you have to find your own victory in Christ alone. Every victory in life is won by living in the presence of a holy God. When the congregation's gone, when the preacher's voice is no more, you can still practice the presence of God and win personal victories for yourself. This is the essence of the godly life. It's not for public consumption. It's in private. It's personal. It's after the preaching's done. And then thirdly, after the preaching's done, we need to spend some time in prayer. He begins that prayer, of course, in these verses. In verse 13, O oh Lord, make haste to help me. And he says, as he goes on through the verses, let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame, that say to me, aha, aha. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. You see, preaching is for a set time, but prayer is to be done without ceasing. This is how you go on in victory. It's easy to get right with God. In a moment you can be right with God. But the only way to stay right with God is to live a life of prayer, to stay on your knees. Lord, help me. Did you ever notice when Jesus did most of His praying? If you study the gospel records, He did most of it after His preaching. You see, because it's after the seed is planted that the devil wants to see it away. It's after the truth has been sown uh, that the real battle for fruit comes. And so after the preaching's done, spend time in prayer. Pray for yourself. Uh, pray concerning the wicked around you. Pray for other of God's people. Pray that the Lord's people will be kept. And ultimately pray uh, the closing words of verse 16 for the glory of God, the Lord be magnified. After the preaching's done, we need God to preserve us. After the preaching's done, we have to win some personal victories. After the preaching's done, we need to pray. And then after the preaching's done, we must rest in God's promises. Here's the way Psalm 40 ends. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. I quote this to myself a lot. I am poor and needy, yet. Aren't you glad for God's yet? Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Think about this. God thinks of you. It's wonderful that we can think of Him, but it is awe-inspiring to think He thinks of us. He loves the poor and needy. He's near to us. He thinks on us. Psalm 139, He said, If I should start counting His thoughts, they're innumerable. There's too many of them to even think about. Friend, God's thinking about you today. He's thinking on you for good. And He's going to help you, and He's going to deliver you, and He's going to be right on time. After the preaching's done, the living begins. This is where we move from being hearers of the Word to being doers of the Word. And so I want to challenge you to take Psalm 40 and all the truth that you're learning and all the things we're gleaning from the Psalms and ask the Lord to help you today to apply it, to live consciously in the presence of God and to rest on the Lord. You are poor and needy, but the Lord is thinking on you.
0: Thank you for studying the Psalms with us. It is our sincere hope that you will spend time in God's Word today, finding divine direction and real encouragement for the road ahead. Visit Scottpawley.org to download your free copy of a ready reference of the Psalms, along with other helpful resources for your Christian life. We would love to hear from you, and we look forward to having you with us again on the next Enjoying the Journey.